Bible, what we're actually reading is one giant narrative of God's story of redemption in the world. And, and so he, he's he's on mission. We, we think about the mission of God, or maybe you've heard the Missio Dei, that's God's mission in the world, his big global cosmic mission to renew and restore all things. Uh, that's what all of this is about in here. That's the big picture of this. It's one story of God's redemptive work in the world and his mission. But the way that he, that, that, that expresses itself, uh, again, it is that God has chosen to use his covenant people to accomplish that mission, which to us seems kind of foolish. Like when I think about God, you use me really. Right. And so, but that's what God does because actually when you think about it, that makes God all the more glorious that he can use as the song says, a wretch like me and still get what he wants to get done, done. It doesn't make sense. In the old Testament, we see this expressed in God's work through his chosen people, the nation of Israel, the Jews. And as we move through redemptive history, we see that God is moving beyond just one ethnicity that God is moving globally. He, he's moving beyond just one people and he's moving out into the entire world. And so the end of the Bible gives us this vision where maybe you know the verse we read about every tribe, tongue, and nation worshiping at the feet uh, of God. And so we find ourselves as the church in between these two realities uh, in what Jesus kept calling the kingdom of God. Jesus kept on saying things like the kingdom of God is here and yet to come. And he also told us what to do while we live these uh, where we live in this kind of already not yet life. That's what we're in. We're in a life that says God has already done it. He's accomplished. Our victory is sure. We're going to celebrate Easter in just a couple weeks, which I can't believe it's already here. But in just a couple weeks, we're going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus in a more specific way than we do celebrate it every week, because every week when we gather, that's what we're celebrating. Uh, but God has already done it through Jesus. And yet at the same time, he said, I'm still doing something. And there's still stuff that I'm accomplishing. And so we live in that. And, and Jesus, at the end of Matthew's gospel in particular, tells us his famous words, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. And that's the rallying cry of the church. And it has been for a couple thousand years. And so from there, we see in the rest of the New Testament, the sort of working out of this commission by the local church. By this thing that we find ourselves in called the church. And if we could somehow do a like family tree of the church, we would go all the way back to Jerusalem. This church would go all the way back. Now, there's no way for us to actually do that because the church is so organic and beautiful that it's, there's no way to track that. But that's our roots. And so built into the DNA of the church of Jesus is this desire and this motivation to see the mission of God accomplished and one of the most specific ways that it's accomplished is through the planting of new churches. That's what missions does. We go into a place where people haven't heard the gospel, and eventually there's going to be a church there, and hopefully more churches, and that church will plant churches. Uh, and so uh, we refer to this, again, as church planting. It's a really important part of who we are as an Alliance Church. We have church planting Sunday, uh, usually once a year on a Sunday. Uh, it's a conversation that's ongoing. We're always talking about church planting. Anytime I'm with other Alliance pastors, I was, I was with some yesterday at a training, and a couple guys were talking on, uh, on the side about a couple church plants that are happening in our region. But as a church... We have a really cool opportunity as our Lansdowne Alliance Church, as this local church, uh, a cool opportunity that's coming out of our congregation and its connection to the people of Nigeria, right? 
through Teo, through his wife, even through, uh, we have another couple who is, has roots in Nigeria as well. But in this particular opportunity, uh, our connection to Nigeria is through you. And so today, uh, we're going to do something a little different. You're used to hearing me talk a lot, but today you're going to hear Teo and I share a little bit. And so I just wanted to, Teo just got back from Nigeria. How many weeks ago? Three weeks ago. And he was there for a number of weeks doing some work, and we wanted to just hear about it. And so I'm simply going to do a little bit of an interview with Teo, and hopefully um, my, my goal, my hope for this is that some of you will uh, kind of catch a bit of Teo's passion, his vision, and you'll understand something about yourself in that, that God has the same calling on all of our lives. It might not be to go plant a church in Nigeria, but he has the same calling on your life to be part of his mission in the world. So Teo, tell us a little bit about where you're from, we know it's Nigeria, but tell us a little more. And then how did that end up at Lansdowne Alliance Church? How did those roots, or how did those stories connect? I think the story is as long as, and as old as this well, We have a half is. an hour, so. <laughs> <laughs> you can see it's pretty old, or old looking. And there are many times I wonder who I am. What is my identity? How do I relate? Who do I relate to? What is it about me? And just like the young lady in the uh, movie, why me? I was born many years ago, as you can see, and I've gone through quite a few things in life, quite a lot of experiences. I got to Lansdowne maybe some six, seven years ago. I haven't attended services in quite a couple of churches in Maryland. Actually, we arrived in Maryland about 21 years ago. We've lived in England most of our life in Nigeria. I've been married to my wife almost 50 years ago. And I thank her for the support. Respect for that. But getting down into the mission, this is something I have been running away from almost all my life. Almost all my life. I initially thought my goal in life would be to support churches. And I think I've done that to quite some extent. As a couple, we've done that for quite some time. I've helped people, pastors, plant churches, many churches in Nigeria and even in the United States. But I have always felt that call, but I always run away from it too. And the way I'm sitting today will still show you the doubt in me. A foot on the ground, a foot on the chair, making it easy for me to run away. But when God calls, I doubt if there's much a man can do. And that is where I am today. Yeah, I, I, think, it was, um, I think it was C.S. Lewis would talk about the hound of heaven. Uh, as something that would he felt was chasing him down and would scratch at his door at night. 
And uh, just what you shared just kind of reminded me of that. Um, so you've told us about your family. You're from the city of Lagos, is that correct? Or Lagos? How do you say it? Well, Lagos, we okay. call it. But basically, it's easier to say I'm from Lagos. Okay. Because almost all Nigerians reside one way or the other in Lagos, though Nigeria is fairly the size of Texas. Okay. Yeah. So it's the main big city. It's the capital exactly, city. Exactly, yeah. And where you're going to be, we're going to get to that, is out is just out on the outskirts of, outskirts of Lagos. Outskirts of Lagos. Okay. And how big of a city is it? Lagos um, is about the size of Maryland, but... This, uh, the population is concentrated basically within a very small area. And what's the population? And the population of Lagos is about 15 million. Okay. So it's a big city. It's I think that's one of the city. things that as Americans sometimes we don't, it just doesn't dawn on us that there are cities globally that are much bigger than the cities that we're used to here. Uh, Baltimore is around, as far as I know, around 650,000 people. Yeah, you're right. Uh, so that puts it that into perspective. That's bigger than Chicago, New York. That's uh, it's a big city with a lot of people, which is a, you know, the field is white for harvest. The, the work is plentiful, but the, mm -hmm. the workers are few, right? And I think you, you said that to me a while ago. Now, one question I wanted to ask you just as uh, an example. Have you been a pastor before? Like, have you officially been ordained or been? I've been officially ordained. Okay. In a very large church, for that matter, Winners Chapel is one of the largest churches in Nigeria. Wow. So this has been a call on your life for a long time. It's been, and I've had opportunities. Can I say opportunities? Opportunities of refusing to answer a call. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, so tell me, uh, well, I'll start it. I, I remember when at least our conversation started about you planting a church in Nigeria. Um, it was with this map, as far as I can remember. It had to be at least three years ago because COVID's been here for two, and I think it was sometime before that. But I remember it was either a Great Commission Sunday or a Mission Sunday or something. It was right after we got that map hanging in the lobby. You came up to me and said, Pastor, why is there no alliance, or are there any alliance churches in Nigeria? You looked at that map and asked me the question. I think I went back and looked, and there weren't. And so that was just a question you just asked me. Um, but what, what from there kind of led you to thinking about a, a, an actual taking steps to actually put this into, into reality? As an engineer by training, one is trained to look for the need in a society and an opportunity to fulfill it. That is basically what engineers do. That's your worldview. You, yes. Okay. And interestingly enough, having been here for some time, the urge had always been there. Mm. Maybe this is the time. But when you pasted that map on the wall, and I casually looked at it, frankly, I must be sincere. I took my eyes off because I knew what my heart <laughs> was saying. The hound was scratching at the door. I knew what my heart yeah. was saying. I took my face off it, but I had to go back there again because it's just so clear there that there is no Alliance George in Nigeria mm -hmm. where I come from. It haunted me for quite some time before I asked you. Okay, so when you asked me, you were already far down the road of, of kind of Telling the Holy Spirit, yeah, I know what you're saying, but I, but no. Precisely. Yeah, that's not, 
the Holy Spirit's going to get you if he's, if he's doing that to you. I'm just going to let you know. Um, so, yeah, Teo and I had that initial discussion probably three years ago, maybe four. I've been here almost five, so it could have been that long ago. I don't remember. But it was, I know that map has been on the wall there for a long time. So um, I guess I could go back and look at when I ordered it. But it's been a while. And so since then, I think there's been a number of kind of conversations at Panera Bread or here at the church, just kind of offhanded, hey, is there any, what's going on with Nigeria, anything? And then you would go travel once in a while to see family and stuff. And probably that was causing some, some more the Holy Spirit prompting to happen. Yeah, the state of morals in my country, I can say is depressing. Mm. And when you have the opportunity of living for a long time in another society, whether you like it or not, consciously or unconsciously, you compare. You want to see what is going on in back home. You want to see what is going on in your family and in places where in you sojourn. Mm. And you come to some certain conclusions, which many times may not be palatable. Yeah. And, you know, may, may, I don't, I've never asked you this before, but th sometimes I know when I've had this kind of, I've never had a calling to go, not yet, to another country. Um, but when I've had this kind of, like I can tell, feel the Holy Spirit saying that we're going to go this direction and I don't want to. Sometimes when I talk to people, I'm kind of hoping they say, nah, that's not a good idea. And it gives me an excuse. Was there any of that in you when you and I would talk? Of course, many times. <laughs> actually, many times when you pray and when other people pray with you, the first thing I like to do is for the Lord to give me this cunning spirit so that I hear through mm. the prayer. And there are times I just wish I did not ask you to pray for, with me <laughs> or some other Sorry, I did, I though. I did pray me. for you for that. So. Yeah. so in a nutshell, I say, well, many times it's been a confirmation of what I'm running away from. Mm. Yeah, there's two things I think I, at this point I wanted to kind of maybe point out to us as a congregation uh, number one is just that some of you might have some kind of calling or feeling or urge or itch or what, push, whatever you want to call it, that you've had for a long time. And part of my hope for doing this today is just to say the Holy Spirit doesn't forget. And I don't think your soul forgets either. And so if that's you and you're like, man, I, I feel like that, but I'm scared of it or I'm nervous about it, um, you know, I'd love to talk to you about it and I'm going to pray for you about it. So it, you know, Teo might tell you, don't talk to me about it. But I want you to, I want you to know that we want, as a church, we want to empower one another to do these things. Um, is it going to be sad for us to lose Teo and his family from our church? Absolutely. Uh, it was sad for the early church to send people to Antioch, but they did it because the gospel is, is, is what we're about. And so, um, and so if that's an urge for you, if you're like, man, maybe, maybe being an international worker is a thing, or maybe starting a Bible study with some kids uh, or some people in my neighborhood is a thing that God wants me to do. I want to encourage you to do it. Um, that's how this church was founded. This church was founded by a couple ladies feeding some kids and teaching them about the Bible. And here we are almost 100 years later. Uh, and how many lives have been affected by that heritage. So I want to just encourage you in that. Um, and then the second thing I was thinking of has completely left me, so let's move on. 
because I didn't write it down. Um, so I want to get just more practical, and if I think of that thing, I'll ask. But um, I want to just kind of spend a, a few minutes in kind of just your vision for this church plant. And I know that's like that word is thrown around, and it's like a big, scary word, but I got some questions. Um, you've already kind of shared with us, but tell us a little bit about the spiritual state that you see in Nigeria. What's the need there? Or at least in the, in the, in the community you're going to find yourself in. Yeah, it's pretty difficult in the sense that almost everybody talks about Nigeria as being corrupt. There's a lot of corruption going on. And you therefore wonder why. What really is going on? Mm -hmm. We've had a lot of political debates between friends. You only need to arrive in Nigeria for 15 minutes and I can assure you, you have experienced it, or you have a feel of it, or you try to back off from it. And secondly, most probably in, within these first 15 minutes, somebody will have told you all the problems within Nigeria, mm. all the social problems. What are the typical ones that people would name? Um, you said corruption. The, yeah, the corruption is actually the main ingredient of our livelihood. Mm. And I deliberately use the word ingredient of our livelihood. But I think the spiritual connotation arises from the fact that people don't want to call it the right word, sin. Mm. We can cloak it in whatever way we like to cloak it. Disobedience, misbehavior, uh, adultery, stealing, whatever. The basis is S-I-N, sin. And until we as human, human beings, wherever we are, can come up face to face and say, I sinned against God. I think we are just beating about the bush. Mm. So at its basic, the spiritual state in Nigeria is similar to the spiritual state anywhere and here in particular in that the sin is the root of all these issues. But what do you kind of, what is it? Is there a particular group of people, uh, a particular kind of person in that neighborhood or a kind of issue that you think maybe the Holy Spirit is leading you to target? And I know it's very early on for this. You're not on the ground yet, but... Is there something that you're seeing as, you're, as you've been there? Uh, is it, you know, marriages that are in need? Is it drugs? Is, it, uh, what, is there a particular need that you see, a particular group of people that you really hope to reach? I'm looking basically at the family. Okay. And I strongly believe that if we can get the family together again, Nigerians are generally family-oriented people. But along the line things have gone haywire. And getting the family together, I think we will have solved most of the problems, hmm. if not all. Yeah. And when you talk about the family, this is from my just sort of distant perspective, knowing you. Uh, it seems that um, in Nigeria, there's more, maybe more value on the extended family than maybe in kind of the average American culture, would you say that's true or not? That is true. However, I think 
Nigerians and generally Africans have allowed, I hate to use the word, colonization to impact them too badly. Hmm. That we now see everything American, everything European has been superior to the African mm. culture, and it is a shame. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the example, I think you were showing me hotels yeah. are very European-looking. They don't look like yeah. they're in Africa at yeah, all. Yeah, in a hotel in Lagos or Ibadan or it's just like you're in a hotel in New York or Interesting. Chicago. You can't really see a cultural difference. Um, so... Tell us about the trip you just came back from. How long were you actually there during this trip? Obviously not your first trip to Nigeria. Oh, recently, sure, but. certainly. Um, it's been for three weeks. And you've been back for another three? No, for two weeks. Oh, okay, okay. My problem started right at the airport. Yeah, like I lost Some my of us luggage. were praying for that. <laughs> and that's really cut short my... Um, itinerary, my plan, mm. because the first one week I was going back and forth to the airport to, is my luggage here, is it not here? It's still in London, it's still in um, Baltimore, wherever it is. That shows the sense of sometimes the attitude to work. Well, we've been lucky enough, we've been blessed enough, we have a location we can now say that is going to be our mission house. It's it will take about twenty-five people, if not more. we we are able to have an office and other things that we go. We've already installed an internet and we are still working on that. We have two people on ground, basically workers who are likely going to be the fair crop of people who will be part of the church, and we are doing quite a few renovations at the location. In terms of people, we are already reaching out within the neighborhood. It's not really within Lagos Island itself, but in the, uh, in the suburb of Lagos. And that is an area that we had lived before. So it's also easy for people to recognize us. And in some ways, it has its disadvantages. <laughs> like people may start thinking, can anything good come from? Prophet isn't uh, welcome in his own town. Prophet yeah. is not. But notwithstanding, we are already there. And I think my spirit tells me we will do well there. Hmm. So you were there for a few weeks. Did you get your luggage back? Oh, yes. Oh, okay, a week good. thereafter, we got the luggage. And <laughs> for example, remember, I asked, I had to ask for new or more flyers. That's right. Oh, because you didn't yeah, have them with you. Yeah, I didn't because even, I did not have. I didn't even make that yes, connection until yeah, just now. Yeah. Wow. Yes, I had to put them in the Because part of the work you did is you held an open house. So you secured yes. a location, kind of a mission center gathering spot it's a house though right yes, it's, a, it's, a, house, it's a regular yes. house you're going to use the living room to gather in the bedroom to have an office that kind of thing um and so you've you've had that you've got a couple people on the ground there but i remember you were telling me part of the work you were doing was to go out into the neighborhood or the community and kind of hand out flyers to have an open house tell us did, did that happen and tell us about it yes that happened 
we had to go around. We even printed a few flyers just to introduce ourselves that we are here. That is the location. You want to come and talk to us, had a few drinks, basically water, because the weather is very humid and hot. So the best gift you can give to anyone is a cold drink. So talked to a few people, handed out flyers, spoke with quite a couple of my old neighbors who came to visit him. Mm. Okay, what are you about? And I specifically tell you a discouraging comment. When I had to visit a bishop who lives not too far away in the, from that location, he said, why at this age? <laughs> don't, don't you think it's pretty late? <laughs> I've always also had that doubt in me. But then there are always enough examples in the scriptures to help. Moses started at 80. I'm not 80 yet, so I've got a long way to go. A whole career is worth. Yes. Um, So so you've done that work. What is the next big step that needs to happen or that, that you think should happen? The next big step is Bible studies. And that is where I'm going to need a lot of help. Also, we hope we'll be able to get people from here. And I call it, who is going to stand with me? Psalm 94, verse 16. To willingly volunteer to show up. It will make a lot of difference. Yeah, and I was actually, that was going to be one of my next things. So the the next thing. The next step which I plan to take in another four weeks, five weeks, is go back again and then start the Bible study per se. Start a Bible study while you're there for another three, four weeks. Yeah, so if you were ever interested in kind of church planting best practices as we know them here in the United States, uh, this is following a somewhat similar uh, plan and this is the the stage we would call kind of the core group stage where what you're doing is building a core group of people that will then continue on and honestly for for international church planting as far as from our perspective as Americans um, this is the ideal that a person from that culture will go this is this is what we like this is the goal of missionaries when they go into a foreign field in the alliance international workers their goal is, be here just long enough to work myself out of being needed here so that a native person with a native tongue and the native culture can be the one doing the work. And so we've kind of skipped all those steps in this particular place because Teo is already from there and his family is from there. You have connections already, which, yes, can present some challenges, but also just give you so much. You don't need to study the language. You don't need to study the culture. It's all there already. So the next steps that we're going to be actively praying for is Um, number one, for Teo to figure out what kind of Bible studies need to happen, either through the Holy Spirit's prompting or maybe from the word of those who are there working now. And then um, Teo and I have just been talking about, is there books to read? Is there training that Teo can go for? Um, And so just be praying with Teo and I on that. Um, and, And so then the next big step is just getting back on a plane and praying that his luggage goes with him. 
and he gets there. Uh, some little project that we're working on is we're having a little bit of a hard time finding uh, the Alliance flyers that we've had before. So I cleaned us out, and, and I guess you still have those, right? Because they were <laughs> stuck in your luggage. Uh, but when I called the national office, that, that link on the website was broken, and so I'm waiting to hear back. So you could just be praying for something that simple, that that publication would just, they'd figure out where it is. The national office has just moved from Colorado to Columbus, so maybe that's part of it. So I'm waiting to hear back on that. Um, and then I just wanted to, ex- you mentioned it, but just an invitation. If any of you are feeling like, gosh, I'd love to go to Nigeria and see what's going on, uh, I want to just prompt you to come talk to Teo after the service. And we're not saying in the next four weeks necessarily, but you can, you can bet that when this thing is started, and maybe it's six months from now or a year from now, I would love to go with a group of us uh, to Nigeria and maybe put on a VBS for the kids or just see what, see what it is. I haven't been out of the country in a long time, and I can, I've been itching for that for a while, and so this is a, a great opportunity. And so um, I, I do want to just leave a few minutes, uh, a minute or two here for anybody have a question. And for those of you joining online, uh, I'm going to have them ask a question in in the room, there's no way for me to see a question from online for right now, but I'll try to repeat it into the microphone so they can hear. Does anybody have a question they want to ask Tao? Yep. Your wife is good with this too, right? The question was, is your wife good with this too? <laughs> Two ways to answer that question. Oh, <laughs> careful. The first is, I have been praying and asking the Holy Spirit to reveal himself to her. Then the second part of it is in African marriages. I'm sure many women here won't like this. <laughs> women don't have an option in decision making. Once the husband makes the decision, that is it. So she's with me on this. But he's a loving husband. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but that is a great answer because that's just the reality of like, this isn't the only way expression of marriage in the world in kind of our culture. There's other ways and, and, um, and we honor that. We respect that. So um, any other questions? question was, what's the predominant religion, and are the people in Nigeria open to hearing the gospel, or is there resistance? I would say it's about 50-50 in the majority Christians and Muslims. However, traditional religion still have a big hold on both sides. Whether you're a Christian, you're a Muslim, the traditional Nigerian religion still has a big impact in the society. Then it's easier to walk into a home in Nigeria and start preaching. Unlike here, I can't just walk into a neighbor's house and start, you know. So that difference is there, and that is a great opportunity. That's a big cultural difference. Yes, it's a big cultural difference between Nigeria and here. And when you say, just to clarify, when you say traditional Nigerian religion, do you mean sort of, and forgive me, I, I, 
I'm speaking to com- out of complete ignorance here. Yeah. Do you mean like tribal kind of religion that come from the... No. Before Europeans came to Nigeria, we had our own culture. We had our own religion, which we try okay. to call traditional Nigerian religion. And it comes in different forms, depending on the tribe, on the language, and mm-hmm. things like that. For example, if you there are some Brazil in Brazil, for example, you have some Nigerian traditional or African they now call it African cultural religion hmm. within Brazil via slave trade. Honduras mm-hmm. um, and one or two other Hispanic um, nations that practice Nigerian religion hmm. in the traditional manner. Yep. That's, I mean, that's so interesting to study yeah. that history. Uh, we probably have time for one more. Anybody else have one more question? If people from here to travel with you, is there a language barrier? You forgive me for this. I think Nigerians speak better English than Americans. We speak Queen's English. Oh, now, be careful. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, seriously, seriously speaking, you will not have a problem with the language. In Lagos alone, I can assure you, Literally everybody speaks one form of English or the other. Literally everybody. And you can be sure that people will understand you. And that is one of the kind of side effects of colonialism is that English is everywhere. It it, it is. So if you go to a major city, one of the trade languages is probably going to be English, and the other one's probably going to be French uh, or maybe Spanish. And so... If you're an English speaker, you can go a lot of places in the world and hear your yeah, language. So that is true. That's true in Nigeria. Yes. Actually, English is the official language. Mm. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Let's give Teo a, a thankful round of applause. Thank you for sharing with us. 